We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Kicks for Pace, presented by the Bear Report. Your number one source for Chicago Bears draft news, analysis, scouting reports, and more. Hosted by Alex Bledin and Andrew Freeman on Overtime Media. Welcome to Picks for Pace, a Chicago Bears draft podcast presented by the Bear Report. My name is Andrew Freeman, and of course, I'm joined by my co-host, Usaid Koshal. Usaid, how are we doing today? Doing well, man. The Bears are officially in hibernation for the next seven, eight, I think nine months, whatever the case may be. But yeah, fun. going to be an exciting offseason ahead. It's certainly going to be uncertain, but I'm doing real well. I'm excited to dive into the offseason coverage on the Bear Report, as well as be on this podcast weekly with you. How are you? Yeah, doing good, man. It's, it's kind of a weird feeling because on one hand, you know, you'd like there to be more Bears football here at the playoffs, but uh, we didn't get that, of course. So uh, it's onto the off season, onto draft season, which should be very exciting in the uh, next few months here. So we're recording this episode on January fifteenth on a Wednesday, uh, or I should I should say we're recording on January fifteenth, uh, Friday, uh, not our normal Wednesday weekly schedule here this week. But uh, yeah, we're recording this episode following that uh, loss for the Bears to the New Orleans Saints in the. NFC wildcard round. Uh, it's just a very frustrating loss all around. And, it, you know, as opposed to the last five or so games of the season, uh, the script kind of flipped back to what we've seen over the past few years for this Bears team. You know, defense doing everything they can to keep Bears in games, but the offense just not doing enough and not taking advantage of opportunities when they're there. Obviously, the big one was the Javon Wims uh, drop early in the first quarter in this game on a, uh, a beautiful throw for Mr. Trubisky uh, that would have gone for a, like, I think it was like a 40-something yard touchdown. Uh, that would have been a huge uh, momentum swinger for uh, this Bears offense. And I think that could have got them out on the right foot, but I, that kind of just set the tone for the rest of this game. Um, the frustrating thing for me is that you can't really pin any of the offensive struggles on one person. You know, Mr. Trubisky, he came up short, certainly on a few plays, although I don't think he was necessarily bad. For his standards, uh, the running game, they couldn't get anything going, though. The offensive line, they got dominated against a very good uh, New Orleans Saints front. Uh, and then we saw some, obviously, the Javon Wims drops. Um, just, uh, you know, the wide receivers not doing enough in this one as well. Anthony Miller with a really boneheaded play to get himself ejected uh, for swinging at uh, 
taking a swing at a Saints player. His name is for some reason not coming up to my to my mind at the moment, but uh, just a lot of frustrating stuff in this loss. What were your general takeaways from this one? General takeaways, and you kind of alluded to this, were that it was like a typical Bears loss, right? In the sense that the defense in the first half, I think, allowed seven points, which again, without Roquan Smith, and then without your with without Roquan Smith, you know, with an injured Khalil Mack, right? What happens if you can hold Saints offense that has Alvin Kamara and Michael Thomas to just seven points in the first half. That's odds are not a lot of teams can say that they did that, you know, because I think this 21 points that New Orleans scored, that's actually the lowest that they've scored as a team this season, right? But then you look at it, it's just like the offensive side of the ball. The Bears leave a lot to be desired on offense. And you and I have been on this podcast whenever we do our weekly recaps, consistently saying this is that the offense just does not do it. The defense always puts the offense in a position to win, regardless of the last, whatever, five, six games this season. And then the offense just never seems to capitalize and they never seem to capitalize when it matters the most and a lot of that i think just comes from the fact that the bears defense i'm sorry the bears offense right they play a lot of bad situational football when we look at you know there's certain plays it's like the fourth and four for example mitch trubisky runs out of bounds on the fourth and four right a lot of people there are like three or four saints jerseys there and a lot of people are like listen you know he should have dove there for the marker didn't even make an attempt so the reality of the situation is that what you see on tv right is very different from what these players see out on the field and with the three or four saints there it's unlikely that he could have dove for that first down marker and then even got it and then you look at it he was at least two to three yards short and guys that are two to three yards short in this league or two to three yards away from the first down marker odds are they're not probably not going to get it right because Strabisky not the type of guy that's going to break tackles and then end up getting it I mean we've seen multiple times he's hesitant to dive but then you just look at the overall bad situational football there are times where it's like third and two and what is the play calls essentially you know something out of the shotgun that's going to require like whatever a three five or seven step drop back right from all right just to be able to get two to first down marker right by the QB or you look at the fact that when they should be running the ball, they're passing it. When they should be passing the ball, they're running it. So it's just like bad situational football has bitten the Bears once again. And that's the reason that the offense consistently has not been able to produce points and gen- and at least, you know, consistently move the football. Yeah, certainly. Uh, you know, it's still unclear whether Nagy's in charge of play calling or not at this point in the season. But uh, certainly the game plan the Bears had was a bit too conservative for my liking after the first 10 to 15 plays in this game once they got their script. Uh, just a lot of bland conservative stuff out there. Um, and, you know, I can kind of get it uh, from the standpoint that they don't really trust Trubisky to not make mistakes. Um, he certainly, I, I think they got spooked up by a couple of key mistakes he made on conversion downs early in the game that kind of spooked them from wanting to air it out a little bit in this game, especially against a very good Saints defense. But uh, yeah, like like you said, a lot of just big errors in this game that just can't happen. Um, it's a frustrating way to, to end this season, but you know what? We look to the offseason and, uh, you know, kind of looking back on this 2020 season for the Bears, you know, what is your general takeaway from this year um, going forward into the offseason? 
general takeaway is that there are some really nice young pieces to go ahead and build around, right? I mean, let's talk about the 2020 draft class first. The Bears didn't have a first-round draft pick in 2020 because of the Khalil Mack trade, all right? But they landed Jalen Johnson, Cole Komet, and Darnell Mooney, right? That's three future starters right there. You add on another one in Kendall Vilder, the cornerback, who had some nice play down the stretch when Buster Screen and Jalen Johnson were out. So you're looking at that potential being another future fourth starter. And then you look at the outside linebacker in Travis Gibson, right? He's someone that I'm not going to pencil him in as a starter for 2021 because Rob Quinn is there, but he is someone that can be a really nice rotational piece, right? Behind Quinn and behind um, Khalil Mack. And then you also just look at, you know, there were some silver line, uh, more silver lining in this year is the fact that the Bears finally got David Montgomery going, right? Granted, David Montgomery can be a 2,000-yard back from scrimmage in the both running and passing game, but with more stable offensive line play, obviously, but we saw what David Montgomery could do, right, when you consistently feed him the ball. And he actually gets better when you continue to feed him the ball. And then also you look at the emergence on the offensive line of Sam Mustafer and Alex Spars. I mean, look, back in October, back in early November, we were talking about how, listen – they will need to address the offensive line. Now, that still holds true for this upcoming offseason. We'll get into that in just a bit here. But the emergence of Mustafa and Bars was an underrated storyline that some people are still not talking enough about because when you, anytime you have too much competition, right? Because now the Bears on the interior, they have Mustafa, they've got Bars, they've got Cody White here, they've got James Daniels. That's a really good problem to have. And now you have a lot of options. Now you're looking at an interior or an offensive line, right? where you're not going to have to bring in an entirely new center, where you can kick a guy like Alex Bars out to right guard or something if you choose to move on from Bobby Messi. Now we're looking at there's a possibility that the only real new starter on this offensive line next year, the only rookie, ends up being whoever possibly is going to replace Charles Leno Jr. And then obviously Roquan Smith, right? I think he was the second defensive player selected in the 2018 draft class behind Bradley Chubb, right? He went... Chubb, I think, went fifth overall. Roquan went eighth overall. So for Roquan Smith to emerge, there's a and he emerged this year in all pro fashion, although he wasn't named to the all pro team. But with Roquan Smith, you know, there's a chance you could say he's the third best prospect in that draft class behind Saquon Barkley and Quentin Nelson. Yeah, d- definitely a lot of positives, I think, for uh, this Bears team. We look at some of the young players. On this team, like you said, the draft class uh, of this past year, a very impressive group overall. You potentially have five uh, contributors with only seven picks. I mean, that's really good work there uh, from the Bears scouting staff and and Ryan Pace at the GM spot uh, to identify and get those guys there. So some positives there, I think, for sure. Um, You know, I'll take this from – I think you did a good job mentioning the positives because there are some positives definitely to take away here, but – I'll take a little bit of a different approach. It does kind of feel like a wasted year in the sense that they didn't make really much of an improvement from a record wise. I know they got into the playoffs, but I mean, that's mostly because of the uh, NFL expanded the playoff format, but um, you know, looking forward to the future, uh, the only reason, only way this would be a, a wasted season in this sense is if they don't learn anything, if they don't, if they don't change their, some of their process, uh, going to the future and learn from this, their mistakes and improve off, off of those mistakes going into next season. That's the only way this is a wasted season overall. If they can get some things right in this offseason, I definitely think there are a lot of positives to work around here because even with a six-game losing streaks, you had to commend this team's ability to 
uh, put themselves back into a position where they can sneak their way back into the playoffs and uh, work their way back to a positive record overall. So, um, you know, it's kind of, it was a weird year overall, just a, a total roller coaster to kind of watch this thing progress. But um, yeah, we'll, we'll see, you know, what happens here because I think the legacy of this season ultimately depends on, you know, how this team does next year, but we'll see about that. You know, a lot to talk about that uh, coming forward here in the next coming months and a lot to talk, a lot to talk about when it comes to next off season for this episode. So that kind of brings us to the uh, subject for today's episode. So uh, we have a lot to, t- to discuss when it comes to uh, the bears, keeping both Ryan Pace and Matt Nagy for next season and what that means for the 2021 team as a whole. Uh, we also have to recap uh, the national championship game uh, for college football that just happened this past Monday. So uh, we'll definitely be discussing those things there and uh, definitely some exciting stuff for you guys to listen to today. So uh, before we get into that, we're going to take our first break of the show with a word from our sponsor. The Old West is an iconic period of American history. I'm Chris Wimmer. Join me on the Legends of the Old West podcast to hear the true stories of lawmen like Wyatt Earp, Bass Reeves and the Texas Rangers, outlaws like Jesse James and Butch and Sundance, and Native American battles of the Lakota, Comanche, and Apache. We use cinematic storytelling and sound design to bring these stories and many more to life. Subscribe for free on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're listening now. And we're back here at Pick for Pace, uh, going to our first subject for today's episode, and, and that's the national championship game, kind of recapping that. Uh, for those who maybe tuned in for a little bit or weren't able to watch. Uh, there, uh, from a competitiveness standpoint, there really wasn't much you were missing out on because Alabama just steamrolled Ohio State in this game, uh, winning 52 to 24. And it really comes down to this. Uh, Ohio State simply, they, they didn't have any answers for Alabama's offense. Uh, Mac Jones, quarterback for Alabama, he had a big game in this one, 464 yards passing and five touchdowns. And uh he hooked up quite a, quite a lot with Devontae Smith in this one. 12 receptions, 215 yards, three touchdowns, a, an absolutely fantastic Heisman-defining performance from Devontae Smith. I mean, really cementing his status as the best player in college football this season. Uh, just an overall dominating performance from this Alabama team. Yeah, dominating is the right word to use. I mean, you look at Ohio State from the get-go, they had absolutely no answer for Devontae Smith. And I think that when we look at the Alabama offense, right, is it's just like you can't slow – it's very difficult to slow them through the air with Devontae Smith, but then you can't really slow them on the ground either with a guy like Najee Harris. So I think Najee Harris had like three touchdowns in the first half or something like that, right? I believe he had a hat trick just throughout the entire game. But, yeah, you look at Devontae Smith specifically. I mean, listen, Ohio State had zero answers for him, and it was very clear that in the second half, whatever adjustments they made or they tried to make, they still could not slow Devontae Smith down. I mean, their plays in the first half were straight up just Devontae Smith was sneaking behind almost every Ohio State defender, and there was just nothing but green around him. And that's the reason that Mac Jones was able to find him or – really hit Devontae Smith on those throws. And regarding Mac Jones, you know, for a lot of Bears fans, Mac Jones seems to be the pick at 20th overall. And Mac Jones, obviously, he has his limitations. All right, but you look at him. I mean, he is able to process. He is able to at least read the field and then go through his progressions, right? So Mac Jones is a guy that I look at and I'm like, okay, 
he is not necessarily, you know, like any of the top quarterbacks in this class, which we'll get to another one of those guys here in a minute. But he is someone who's serviceable. He's someone that's serviceable, and you can at least win if you put a good supporting cast around him. And I think for the Bears, right, like the time to take a chance on a quarterback might just be in 2021, unless they're not, unless a new regime, unless they fire Pace and Nagy in 2022, and then they draft a quarterback. But you look at it, right? Um, Mac Jones is a guy I think he'd be an ideal fit in Matt Nagy's offense because he's not going to blow you away with the deep ball, but he can hit a lot of those short and intermediate throws that I think really this offense has lacked that hitting those throws consistently over the last couple of years. Yeah, certainly Mac Jones did a lot to help out his draft stats in this game. You know, I think going into this one, a lot of people would have projected him as just a second round pick, but this could help him get into the first round conversation. Um, I, I don't necessarily know if that's where he should go um, necessarily. There's still a lot to get through here when it comes to evaluating him uh, over the next coming months, but uh, certainly did a lot to help him out here. And like you said, there are a lot of positives with his game in terms of the way he processes the field, the way he manages the game uh, under the guidance of the system that he's working with. Um, and just his general accuracy, I felt like it was it was pretty solid overall in this one as well. So a lot to like for, for Mac Jones overall here. And, you know, we'll see what happens at the end of the day. I, I think he would be a nice fit for uh, the Bears offense, uh, depending on what Nagy, what direction he wants to take this offense. Because if he wants to go with more of what they did this year uh, with a lot of the outside zone bootleg stuff under center, and getting the quarterback on the move, I'm not sure if Mac Jones is the best fit for that because he's just not the most mobile uh, guy, and he's just not the best at making throws on the run necessarily. But if they want to go back to more of what Nagy liked to do in 2018, 2019, where it's a lot more uh, quick timing, West Coast type of action from the pocket, and you're asking your quarterback to be more of a just natural distributor and not someone that's really making a ton of plays for you, Mac Jones could be a, a good fit for what they want to do. It just kind of depends on what direction they want to take this as an offensive coaching staff. But uh, kind of uh, moving on to the defensive side of the ball for Alabama, I thought they got a, a pretty good performance from Christian Barmore as well, which I wanted to point out as well. Uh, he was very destruct disruptive in this game uh, with three tackles and a sack. You know, in a relatively weak defensive line class, or I should say an interior defensive line class, uh, Barmore has made his case that I think he will be defensive lineman one uh, for a lot of people when it comes to the drafts in the next few months. Yeah, Barmore is interesting for me, right? Because, like, I look at, you know, just over the last couple of years, and we've seen a lot of defensive linemen being taken. You know, I know in 2019 we had, like, Quinn and Williams go, I think it was third overall or something to the Jets. But um, when we look at Barmore, right, and then you look at a lot of the talent at the other positions in this class outside of quarterback, like tight end, like offensive line, like – um wide receiving, you realize, okay, there's a chance that there might bear more, even though he is a first-round pick in my eyes or a first-round talent. There's probably a chance that he ends up slipping to the second round. But, yeah, like you said, I think that lost in all the hype of Devontae Smith and Najee Harris, right, and the really solid game that Mac Jones played, that Barmore is a guy that essentially is um, being forgotten about. And I would really say that for him going to the next level, right, I would say that he's probably a really good fit as a um, three technique. Yeah, I could definitely see that as well. Cause you know, 
we haven't I haven't really gotten to all the tape for these defensive linemen coming to this draft, but you know, when you look at Baumore specifically, he has a lot of juice as a pass rusher. He's got good quickness, good agility, and he's got some explosiveness to where once he gets by his man, uh, he's closing in on the quarterback quickly. And uh, those are definitely things that you can build off of if you're a defensive line coach to really get the most out of him as a player. So he's got some impressive uh, traits. Uh, hasn't really had the production because he just hasn't gotten a lot of playing time while Alabama. It's, it's weird. He's clearly their, their best defensive lineman overall uh, this past season, but they kind of used him in more of a rotational role, which is kind of odd to me. But uh, yeah, he's a very talented player. I'm excited to see where he goes in the next coming draft because he's a guy that a lot of people are projecting right now to be kind of a late first round, early second round talent. It wouldn't surprise me whatsoever if you know he impresses coaches throughout uh, the spring and finds his way up and maybe near the top 10 of his next draft. So definitely someone to keep an eye on uh, for teams looking for a disruptive interior defensive lineman. Uh, but the last thing I wanted to talk about, uh, last thing to kind of take away here, you said it has to be with Ohio State. We have to talk about them for uh, we kind of get out uh, from this subject is uh, the play of Justin Fields because his, his stat line, especially compared to uh, his last game against Clemson was uh, pretty disappointing, I think, to put it, put it kindly. Uh, 17 of 33, 194 yards and one touchdown. You know, there were certainly a lot of factors where I, I think uh, this came kind of, kind of got away from Ohio State early, which kind of impacted fields. There was certain, I, I wouldn't put necessarily this, this loss on fields entirely, but for you, you say, do you think this, this game really impacted his draft stock um, in any way in terms of positively or negatively? I would say that there are a couple of red flags to look at right now. The stat line's obviously underwhelming, but then at the end of the day, it's just like you look at the way Fields played in the semifinal game against, you know, the best quarterback, the consensus best quarterback in this class, Trevor Lawrence. And then you're like, okay, this was a bad game for, this was essentially, you know, not the greatest showing for Fields, but it certainly wasn't the worst either. I would say that the big red flag for me is that if this guy is a future franchise quarterback, right? then why is it that he wasn't able to step up in those key moments, right? When you know Ohio State needed him the most. And I will say this, I thought that really Ohio State also was just not good enough around Justin Fields either. Fields, you know, is Fields is a guy where he can win you a game, but he's not necessarily like there are just times where he can't, you know, do it all by himself. And this game was the perfect example of that. Now regarding his draft stock, look, his draft stock is not going to take a hit. I mean, you're not going to take any major hit. He's not sliding out of the top 10. He's not going to slide out of the first round. Either those statements and people that think that that's just completely ridiculous. Right. But the thing is those, we do look at a lot of the head coaches that have been hired over the last couple of days here. I mean, Robert Sully with the Jets, right? I know Urban Myers in Jacksonville. I know the Falcons, they just hired Arthur Smith as we're recording this. And you have a whole bunch of teams that are looking for quarterbacks, right? So it's just all going to depend on like, do you, it goes back to the Justin Fields versus Zach Wilson debate, right? And so I really think like I would take Fields personally because the higher level of competition that he's played against throughout his college career. And we've seen what Fields can do when he's playing his best football. But yeah, like I said, I don't see Fields draft stock taking a major hit. But I do think that the teams that have hired head coaches over the last couple of days here, they can also go ahead and say, hey, do we really want to go with Fields or do we want to go with Wilson? I would not be surprised to see some of them lean Wilson either. Yeah, it'll, it'll be interesting to see how teams kind of evaluate those two because 
I think those are clearly the the top. Well, outside of Trevor Lawrence, obviously, those are the two and three quarterbacks, I, I think, in this draft. And both will be definitely in the conversation for the Jets at number two. So that'll be the most interesting storyline, I think, when it comes to this draft, because that'll determine, I think, uh, how the rest of the draft kind of unfolds from there. So, uh, yeah, I, I, overall, looking at uh, Fields' performance here, I, there were some positives to, t- to take away in this one. You know, obviously, not not everything was his fault in this game. I think Ohio State just got beat by a better team. Uh, Fields still made some impressive throws, some impressive plays in this one throughout. It's just a matter of uh, just kind of, you know, with him, this being his last game, are you ending on a high note or not? And uh, just kind of left a little bit to be desired, I think, for for me personally a little bit, but maybe some other valuers as well. But that'll be interesting to see how this plays out in the in, the, in this offseason because Fields – He's going to have a lot of chances, I think, with whether it be with pro days or private workouts with teams, to really, to really solidify his status as a prospect. It's just a matter of how he performs there because he's got all the tape there. I think there's a lot to like with his tape. There are definitely some concerns with his tape, but at the end of the day, you know, can he impress teams in meeting rooms and show the type of growth this offseason that will have teams excited for what his potential will be going forward. Uh, all right, so we're going to shift away from uh, college football playoff here and focus more on some bears topics to end this thing uh for the rest of this podcast i should say uh before we get to those though we're going to take our second break of the show with another word from our sponsor and we're back here at pace for pace shifting gears towards talking more about the bears here uh for our second topic here and it comes with the news that uh, just came out this past week that uh ryan pace and matt Nagy, that the bears they aren't making any significant changes uh, to their front office, to their coaching staff outside of Chuck Pagano retiring at defensive coordinator, that's going to be a big position to fill, obviously. But uh, when it comes to the main uh, kind of brains of the organization, so to speak, uh, it's going to be relatively the same as what we've seen over the past three years or so with both Ryan Pace and Matt Nagy running the show uh, for the bears. So uh you know, we, we, we talked about this with Zach on the main Bear Report podcast, which you can check out as well to kind of get our initial thoughts there. But I'm going to clarify my position here. You know, I'm, I'm pretty down on uh, this overall, and not necessarily because Matt Nagy and Ryan Pace are back. You know, I kind of expected both of these guys to be back uh, in some capacity. I expected them to keep Matt Nagy after uh, getting this team to the playoffs uh, once again for the second time in three years. So that wasn't surprising to me, but I did expect the bears to reevaluate things here from an organizational standpoint and at least do some reshuffling in the front office. And that doesn't necessarily mean that they would fire Ryan pace. um, But I would have expected there to be a little bit more of a shakeup, but we're getting based off of what it sounds like with their recent press conference, which was a disaster by the way, uh, it doesn't sound like we're getting that. It's, it sounds like it's just going to be Ryan Pace running the show on football operations and Matt Nagy under him as the head coach. And um, I, I just don't think that inspires a lot of confidence in me because it sounds like we're getting another, you know, all in type of year uh, where it's win or you're out the door for both of these guys. And uh, that just doesn't really, it, it doesn't really put me in a great spot mentally thinking about, um, what the repercussions could be uh, for how they'll approach this offseason because of that. 
Yeah, and you add on to the fact that, you know, just regarding the structure of the organization, the people that they have making the football decisions, right? George McCaskey, and for those of our listeners that are not in the Chicagoland area, Chairman George McCaskey was on 670 in the score yesterday, and he essentially says, he's like, hey, listen, you know, our football guy is the general manager in Ryan Pace, which essentially just conveys the meaning that, look, anything and everything that happens football operations-wise, McCaskey's signing off on it because he's given the GM Ryan Pace to go ahead and do so. And so there was also, you know, so when we look at it, right, yeah, the press conference on Tuesday was a disaster. They didn't reveal much anyway. And I know you and I discussed it with Zach as well on Wednesday evening or whenever we went ahead and recorded that episode, but it's just like, you look at it, right. It's just like, there's no vision, right. You look at how we thought Ted Phillips was possibly going to retire. Ted Phillips is going to stay here anyway. Right. And he's here for at least another year or so until he decides to whatever, go ahead and retire. But you look at it, right. It's just like there, the whole press conference and what's going to happen with the bears. It's going to be a very critical off season, right? Because like if they go win, they go all in, right. They're going to be borrowing again from future assets, which again, they've done that before and it's bitten them. Okay. But if they kind of play conservative and they're like, okay, we're not in win now mode, then the bears are probably hitting the reset button in January, 2022. So there's multiple directions that this thing could go. And a lot of the off season moves that pace and Nike dictate or that they end up making are going to go ahead and dictate that. But then the big one's going to be is what do they do at the quarterback position? Because if they acquire a rookie, they're going to use the rookie to buy them time. If they go ahead and they acquire a veteran, like, and I'm just throwing this out there, you know, some way, somehow, let's just say they free up enough cap space to land Dak Prescott or some way, somehow in a trade, they land Deshaun Watson. I don't see either of those moves happening, by the way. I see a first round quarterback as a more likely scenario than they're going to be in win now mode. And then if they make the playoffs next year, right, then odds are that Pace and Nagy are going to be here for 2022 and possibly even 2023. So the one big thing to keep in mind is whatever happens at quarterback is really going to dictate what happens in 2021 and well beyond that too. Yeah. And they mentioned that in the press conference that it's going to be about fixing the quarterback this off season. Uh, Ted Phillips kind of led with that um, early on in the press conference. And, you know, which kind of leads me to believe that, uh, the possibility of Trubisky returning uh, to this team is kind of over. I think they're past that in terms of uh, keeping Trubisky on maybe a short-term deal or a cheap uh, team-friendly contract. I, I don't see that happening. I think they're going to try and replace him uh, with an upgrade this offseason. Like you said, whether it's with a veteran or in the draft, uh, I think they're going to be very aggressive at doing that because while I don't think this team is a quarterback away from being a contender, Certainly a, a, a good quarterback for this team, a, a top 20, top 15 starting caliber quarterback puts this team back on the map in terms of being a playoff level team. Once again, not just a team that's going to be constantly cycling through mediocrity, which is what we've seen for the better part of 30 years with this organization here. But yeah, like you said, um, the fact that they're probably going to have to borrow a lot of money in the future in order to make that happen, especially if they're going to go with a veteran quarterback. Uh, the fact that they're on a win-now trajectory with this team, as I said it before, and, you know, my optimism in that scenario just isn't very high because we saw what Ryan Pace did last offseason in terms of uh, showing out big contracts to older players such as Jimmy Graham and Robert Quinn um, to hopefully be difference makers for this team. But 
you know, those are two guys over the age of 30 years old that you're paying uh, top of the market money uh, when they're not really top of the market players. And they didn't, and they didn't reflect itself um, this season when, when those two were on the field. Um, and then you look at uh, bargaining against himself uh, in the trading for Nick Foles, sending a fourth round pick to the Jaguars uh, for a quarterback that quite frankly might've been cut if uh, the Jaguars were that desperate to move on from that money. Um, they could have gotten other options such as Andy Dalton that would have given you the same amount of production as Nick Foles for uh, much lower of a cost. Um, so you look at desperation moves such as that. Um, and I, I think we're just going to get a lot more of those this offseason, which puts the Bears in a really bad spot long term. And, and this, you know, and it goes back to the overall structure of the organization from top down because uh, the McCaskies, they've said this in the past that especially George McCaskey, you know, he doesn't really know a lot about football. You know, he's not really a football guy. He, he approaches this from the perspective of a fan and as a, a family business type of thing. So when it comes to big major football decisions, he's really out of his depth. And then when you, you know, add on to the fact that Ted Phillips, who they can say all they want, that uh, he's not really involved with the day-to-day operations of the football side of things, but he's still involved with the hiring process of, picking and choosing who they bring in to run the football side of things. He still has a big role to play in the organization in that aspect. So the fact that they wouldn't look at this team over the last two years, not progress at all and be, and be stuck at an eight and eight mediocrity uh, type of team. You know, they're nowhere near beating the Packers anytime soon. If they keep going on this route, um, the fact that they wouldn't see that and not make, you know, at least change their thinking, make drastic changes, to their thinking as an organization to say that, you know what, we need to get a legitimate president of football operations in here that can actually make legitimate comp, uh, decisions uh, that is right from a football perspective and not just a business perspective. And I, I think they're really stuck uh, in this old school mindset of running this thing like a family business, so to speak, and kind of having that trickle down from there to the rest of the organization. Yeah, and you know, you look at like the just the lack of commitment on the McCaskies end to having a president of football operations, you know, is just really astonishing. And it's not very good, in my opinion, because the reality of the situation, right, is they do need more. The thing is, the good teams in this league, right, like we've seen the Ravens, the Chiefs, for example, you look just up north in Green Bay. I mean, the good teams in this league have multiple football minds in their front offices, right? And obviously, those are the teams that you know, other teams that are looking for GMs that are looking for front office guys. Those are the teams that other teams tend to poach from, but you look at it, right? The bears have had football minds over the last couple of years in the building, like champ Kelly. I mean, Joe Douglas, Chris Ballard's another one, right? Champ Kelly granted is still here. There was some talk about him potentially getting the GM job in Denver before they went ahead and hired George Patton. The bears have had football minds, but they've let those football minds completely leave Hallis Hall and just walk out and leave the organization, right? And so the reality is, is that there just isn't enough emphasis on the football administration side of things and the football operation side of things at Hallis Hall going on. And the fact that George Putt has publicly said that, hey, look, all football decisions go through Ryan, you know, it's troublesome, right? Because that just means that you're going to do things the Ryan Pace way. There's not really anyone else there to go ahead and give, you know, a second or third opinion on kind of what Ryan Pace is thinking. We all know that the more football minds you have in the organization, the merrier, because then what tends to happen is your scouting gets better, your draft 
you know, your drafting, your various scenarios, things like analytics, those are all really positively impacted when you do have more football minds in the building and the bears just don't have that. Yeah. I think the biggest positive to what you're to kind of add on to what you're saying there is that it gives you more of a diversity of thought in your organization. Cause like you said, right now with only Ryan Pace being the, the top guy uh, running the football operation side of things, everything's going to be done the way he sees fit with the organization. When you look at his background, obviously a lot of that's going to take influences from his time in New Orleans. And so he's going to be running this a lot of the way that we see the New Orleans Saints run their team, which they like to backload a lot of contracts. They like to move around cap space. Uh, they like to, you know, be aggressive with veteran free agent signings. Uh, they like to go all in on specific windows and, you know, they, they kind of forget about kind of thinking about things from a long-term aspect. Um, and that's just worrisome with Ryan Pace, who is now going to be under extra pressure after another eight and eight season uh, to try and get this team to improve next season, uh, regardless of what the consequences will be of that long-term. So I think, like you said, they need to get somebody else in here that can kind of rein Ryan Pace in, even if they wanted to keep Ryan Pace, get someone else in here uh, with a different mindset from a different organization that can kind of, you know, help Ryan Pace not succumb to his worst tendencies, or maybe just get Ryan Pace out of the 53-man roster um, discussion as, as it is. Because Ryan Pace, you know, his job doesn't just entail uh, focusing on the 53-man uh, roster. His focus is a lot on the practice facility, doing that. You know, the COVID protocols we saw this year for the Bears, which the Bears did a fantastic job for the most part handling uh, COVID for the, for the most part with their team. You know, Ryan Pace, a lot of credit goes to the way that he handled that from an organizational standpoint. Um, and just, you know, putting how they redid the scouting department, how they redid some of the personnel department on their football side. A lot of that is Ryan Pace that goes outside of the 53-man roster necessarily and the grand vision for this team. So maybe getting another, you know, voice in there to kind of help with that 53-man roster and get a new perspective on things, that could have been so beneficial because, you know, I'll say this about Ryan Pace. I don't think he's necessarily a bad GM. When you look at the way that uh, his ability to identify talents, uh, both in the draft and in free agency on like kind of those minimum type of deals, those diamonds in the rough, so to speak, he's not a terrible GM in that aspect. But when all the pressure on is on him to get this team to win now, and he's the only main voice for this team, that leads to a lot of issues in the long term. Yeah, you know, the and you mentioned it, the Bears need some fresh perspective, right? And the thing is, it's kind of sad to say this, but kind of seven, seven off seasons ago, right? Because it's been seven years since the Bears hired Pace. What happened is, is Ryan Pace was viewed as being the breast of fresh air that the franchise needed, right? Just because he was going to bring a new modern approach to building the Bears. And we've seen that. The guy is not necessarily a terrible – he's not as bad as he made is made out to be in certain cases. But then again, it's just like it all goes back to the quarterback position in this league. And a lot of GMs and a lot – Pace is actually lucky in some cases because a lot of teams who – a lot of GMs who tend to whiff on that quarterback position, they're usually fired like two to three years after, right? Pace is going on here in a year, five, five years, four to five years, essentially after selecting Trubisky. And yet he's been given another opportunity to get this, right? And so he knows that he has to get it right this time. He knows that this time it can't just be Ryan Pace pulling the trigger and the Ryan Pace way. It's got to be the 
um it's got, you know you have to get some input from matt Nagy too in there because Nagy, yeah the guy has been given you know a lot of the guy's taken a lot of heat for the way his quarterbacks have played for the schemes that he's run for his play calling but the guy was in the room when they selected Patrick Mahomes, right? And the Bears are not going to hit on the next Patrick Mahomes in this draft. That, unfortunately, is not going to happen. But Nagy can at least provide some specific input. And then you look at some of the other guys in the room, like Bill Lazor, for example, um, John Filippo, even the quarterbacks coach, right? Those are all guys. They've been around different QBs, so they can provide additional input to whatever Pace's way of thinking is. And so it's going to be, you know, I hate to use this word because Bears fans are – making memes out of it but it needs to be like a truly collaborative effort this year and this offseason in terms of finding a quarterback which which you can't do is you know pace's last qb process we saw it wasn't very collaborative because he hinged himself to trubisky early on in the process because he thought trubisky was the next coming of drew Brees, and look what happened so they're gonna have to collaborate and do so properly to find the right fit for this offense yeah, absolutely. Like you said, it's going to be a team effort. You know, I just wish they would have brought somebody with a little bit more uh, ex- experience and expertise uh, to kind of help out Ryan Pace and his organization with that. It's it's a huge decision. It's a huge offseason that could go either one of two ways. It could either be uh, a, a great way for this team to rebound as a franchise, or it could be a disaster that causes problems for this team two, three, four, five years down the road to where we're in another tough rebuilding situation once again. So uh, we'll see how it goes there. Um, certainly uh, not too many pauses, I believe, when you look at the press conference, what was said there and the direction that this team is taking. But, you know, we'll see. If Hopefully they learn from their mistakes from last offseason and they apply that to this offseason and they can finally get this right. You know, if they can come away with this offseason with a proper solution to the quarterback uh, position, I think that'll go a long way towards uh, getting things on a good path for this organization as a whole. It's just going to be an uphill battle because they don't have a lot of cap space. They don't have a lot of draft capital. Um, so we'll see how it goes from there. All right. Uh, so we have one more thing that we're going to discuss here for this episode before we end things. Uh, before we get to that, though, we're going to take our final break of the show with a word from our sponsor. And we're back here at Picks for Pace, uh, concluding this episode with uh, a topic kind of looking at, looking forward to this offseason and what direction we would like to see the Bears pursue, uh, knowing that, you know, it's going to be a another, you know, all-in type of year, another year where they're going to be trying to address the quarterback position. Uh, you know, both of us have a couple of things that we'd like to see this team do in order to address some of the glaring issues with this franchise and and this roster right now. And, you know, I'll start off with this Um, right now. When you look at this bears team and the way they're constructed uh, in terms of cap cap uh, capital, I shouldn't say draft capital and uh, cap space wise in terms of how much money they're spending on this team. uh, There's a lot of resources being attributed to this defense. And when I look at this off season, this entire off season, not only should be about, fixing the quarterback position, which we'll get to, but they need to start changing their thinking of being more of an offensive driven team. And that starts by redirecting their resources from the defensive side of the ball to the offensive side of the ball. So when I look at this thing, you said, you know, I look at Akeem Hicks and Kyle Fuller. Those are two contracts that two guys going into the final years of their, their, of their deals. Um, the bears could potentially move on from one or both of those guys and save a lot of uh, cap and get a, a potentially a 
somewhat valuable draft pick in, in the middle rounds here with for one of one or two of those guys. Um, so when I look at this thing here, I would like to see one of those two traded. It'll, it'll be tough to decide between the two because I love both of them as players. You know, Keem Hicks, he's kind of like uh, the emotional heartbeat of that defense up front. And, you know, Kyle Fuller, obviously, he's still a great player at cornerback. And he's playing, of course, a, a much more valuable position than Hicks at this point with uh, be, it being such a pass-happy league. You need corners in this league. So do you want to really move on from a guy as good as Fuller? Uh, that'll be, those are, that's going to be a tough decision for this Bears team. Um, but just from a general standpoint, I think they need to avoid spending big money on defense this offseason. They need to be spending all their money on offense that they have um, because they, they went out and they gave a big contract to Robert Quinn uh, last offseason. That's not really looking so good because not only is Robert Quinn on the, you know, declining as a player, as a 30-year-old pass rusher, but he's a defensive player and you're spending more money on the defensive side of the ball. That was already the strength of their team. They already had a lot invested in there and that money could have gone to an offensive lineman to kind of shore up their offensive line. It could have gone to another wide receiver to help out Allen Robinson. There are a lot of other ways they could have uh, used that, that money to spend in a more efficient way to get this team, uh, you know, to a more respectable level with this being an offensive driven league. And then when it comes to the draft, I mean, they need to focus all their attention on fixing this offense in the draft. So uh, you said, what are your thoughts there on, you know, that type of uh, storyline for this team going forward to the offseason? Well, yeah, you mentioned it, right? The thing is the league's becoming so offensive minded, right? What's it needs to happen is this is you need to invest in your offense. And that goes just beyond the quarterback position, right? Obviously, quarterback's going to be the big domino here this offseason, what they do at that position, whether it is via trade or in free agency or the draft, is going to dictate expectations for 2021, as well as what they could also do, right, just throughout the offseason in general. But you look at it, right? You're right. Listen, I went back and I looked at the Bears roster, right? And what I realized very quickly was that there's so much money tied up into this defense, but it's in, like, what, six or seven players. I mean, you have Khalil Mack, Akeem Hicks, Kyle Fuller, and Eddie Jackson, who are your four highest paid guys. Then there's Danny Trevathan. All right. Somewhere in there is Robert Quinn. Right. And so, and then that isn't even adding on to the fact that there's going to be a bigger investment in defense made this year in a couple months here, when they do decide to pick up Roquan Smith's fifth year option, which by the way, is going to be a no brainer decision. That's going to be a 13, $14 million expense added on to all that's invested in the defense. So the defense They've invested like a lot into just six or seven players, right? Which is again half the starters at this point. I would say that regarding trading Fuller or Hicks, you probably are going to end up going ahead and you know it's probably going to be Akeem Hicks that's on the move because you know we've seen the work that a guy like Jay Rogers has done, and I know Jay Rogers' contract expires next week. They would they should just promote him to defensive coordinator because he is a Vic Fangio disciple, right? And we've seen what happens when the Bears let Vic Fangio disciples leave. They go to the Rams and they make a big difference. And I'm referring to Brandon Staley. But the point is, is they have so much invested in defense, they need to kind of step back and in investing on the defensive side of the ball. And now they need to invest in off. Right, and I'm not on board with paying a um, 
you know, I know I think Brandon Sheriff set to free agency from the Washington football team. I would not want to go ahead and pay Brandon Sheriff all that money, especially just knowing that we need to allocate money to playmakers, right? Meaning we need to find another tight end to pair with Cole Komet. And maybe that guy is in free agency with Allen Robinson specifically leaving, right? Focus needs to be put on two things this offseason, which is finding the right quarterback, not just any quarterback, but the right quarterback, and then bringing Allen Robinson back because there's also a chance that Anthony Miller is not here next year. Javon Wims is probably being cut too, which means right now the only receiver under contract for 2021 is Darn. Mooney, right? So the Bears have to invest in wide receiver. They have to invest money and draft capital into quarterback too if they're going to get this thing moving in the right direction. Yeah, and, and the thing with Akeem Hicks and potentially moving out from him is um, you look at this team, they're getting Eddie Goldman back uh, next season. And when you look at Akeem Hicks, his, his past rushing produ- productivity went down a bit uh, this last season. It wasn't the same dominant force we saw in the passing game that we saw in 2018. He's still a fantastic run defender, though. But with Eddie Goldman back, you know, you're kind of replacing that run game uh, dominance with Eddie Goldman there. So I think you can replace Akeem Hanks, especially with Bilal Nichols on the roster, in terms of the overall impact there. Um, whereas with Kyle Fuller, you know, cornerback is such a valuable position. It's tough to find quality corners. It's a, it, I think it'll be a harder sell to want to move on from Kyle Fuller, especially with Jalen Johnson's injury history you know Jalen Johnson he he was very impressive as a rookie but I'm not sure that a he's ready to be a true number one corner or that b he can hold up over a now 17 game season is what we're getting now uh starting next year so um definitely some things to consider there so I agree with you I think Hicks would probably be the the better name to move on from um especially when it comes to deciding between those two it would be tough because I'm a huge Hakeem Hicks fan but this is just the nature of the NFL at this point. And you have to make tough decisions on who you're keeping and who you're letting go and who you're trading away. Um, in terms of the offense and what they should be investing on, I, I agree. They have to make a decision on Al Robinson, whether he's staying or not. And, you know, I would be, uh, you can, what, regardless of, of the fact that um, whether Al Robinson wants to be here or not, you can't let him go. Um, for nothing. If if you make the decision to move on from him and not pay him excess of $20 million per year, which is what I think his market will be at, you have to get something for him. And by, what I mean by that is they have the opportunity here to use the franchise tag here to at least control the conversation around Al Robinson and where he goes this offseason. So maybe you figure out a way to tag and trade him to get a first round pick. There are be- definitely a lot of uh, playoff teams that are going to be looking for wide receiver help namely i look at the baltimore ravens they could use a true number one to help out lamar jackson there um so maybe you go to a situation where you trade a guy like al robinson get another first round pick that you can use to invest in the offensive line that could use more help at the tackle position um and then maybe you spend you know money on getting another guy like maybe let's say like here like a Corey davis here throwing a name out there a guy that has the capability to be a um, a low-end number one wide receiver on a cheaper contract here. He's going to be a free agent this season. So just kind of spitballing ideas out here. But regardless, they need to be spending money, like you said, on getting more weapons for this offense. They need more guys. It can't just be Darnell Mooney in that wide receiver core going into the draft. They, they definitely need to have some more juice, some more firepower, some more, more explosiveness. And that will help them with the second thing they need to do, really the most important thing they need to do, 
which is figure out the quarterback position. And I kind of wrote here on my notes for this episode that, you know, if they can't find a, a true uh, legitimate veteran starter here, that can be a complete upgrade for this team, then they need to take multiple swings at the quarterback position this off season. And whether that's, uh, you know, cheap competition for fulls, maybe say like a Ryan Fitzpatrick, or let's say maybe when Alex, Alex Smith gets cut by the Washington football team, maybe you take, take a chance on him for a cheap deal. Maybe a Jacoby Brissett could be an option. Um, no, nothing expi- inspiring there for sure, but I'm just throwing some names out there at this point. But, you know, they would also need to take a chance on some younger guys that have shown some promise here. You look at Josh Rosen. You know, I wouldn't say he's shown some promise here in his career, but he's a former first-round pick. Uh, take another shot on him on a chief vet minimum type of deal and see what he has in training camp you know that could be an option as well to see if he's improved at all because certainly rosen has some talent i'm not saying they have to go after rosen specifically but uh, that could be an option and then we look at towards the draft if they're not able to either a have someone fall to them at 20 or b trade up for somebody in the first round then they need to be taking chances on day three of this draft and in the undrafted free agent market and just bringing as many names in here as possible and taking as many swings as possible to try and get this right. They cannot be content with having Tyler Bray being their number three quarterback once again going into training camp. Yeah, I definitely agree. And, you know, just looking at the situation with the quarterback, right, I think that when Ryan Pace arrived here seven years ago, you talked about how, listen, I believe in drafting a QB every single year. The only guy he's drafted to the state is Mr. Biscan. And last offseason at the season-ending presser, when he was – asked about why haven't you drafted a QB every single year? He was like, listen, it's the way the board falls. But look, the Bears know and Pace knows this too, is that they're entering desperation mode and that they need to do, that they're just going to have to do whatever they need to do to be able to get this thing right. And then I do look at, you know, a lot of the quarterbacks that could be available on day three this year. I mean, listen, the list by all means isn't necessarily inspiring or it's not going to blow you away but you know what maybe you do take a chance on a guy like um you know jamie newman or even someone like kyle trask for example right that could be a mid-round option that they decide to take a chance on or one of the various quarterbacks that is going to be down at the senior ball i mean i believe sam ellinger is there i think ian book from notre dame is there too so for chicago right this is not just going to be about um finding someone that is going to be a future starter. It's also going to be about, you know, like you said, creating competition. I mean, I think that if Josh Rosen were to come here, he would be the only one that I would feel comfortable with as a potential reclamation project, because I think more so with Rosen is not as, he's not the bad quarterback that he gets made out to be essentially what it is with him is just the fact that every time he's gone somewhere, you know, and tried to like, he's, he has not had enough of an opportunity to go ahead and to prove himself of um, prove himself in this league. Right. Cause you look at a lot of other first rounders, they get like what, at least two seasons to prove themselves, maybe three Rosen has not really gotten that because he was in Arizona. He got, you know, they're in a terrible situation in 2018. All right. Then he gets traded to Miami in 2019 and then, you know, gets cut because they took to attack of So Rosen's a potential reclamation project. I know for a lot of bears fans, they've talked about what about Sam Darnold? I mean, Sam Darnold is, you know, I'm split on Sam Darnold because, okay, he could, he's 
talented enough where he could be a reclamation project. But then at the end of the day, you look at it. The guy started for three and a half, four years in this league now. Well, four full seasons, really. And he really has not shown much. Part of it is because the Jets have just been a really bad franchise. But then the other half of it is you look at it and you realize, okay, four games is enough sample size for us to see what a player can really be, regardless of what the circumstances are. And Darnold just has not looked like any better. So Darnold's not a guy that I would want to take a um, flyer on either. Yeah, Sam Darnold is an interesting name to keep an eye on. The thing with me with Sam Darnold is it would probably require the Bears trading away draft capital in the third or fourth round to, to get him here to Chicago, and I just don't think that's worth it for a guy that, like you said, he hasn't really progressed at all throughout his career. So what would be the advantage of there of spending draft capital that could, you could use on, on a rookie quarterback or just to fill – uh, different needs so yeah that would be a tough sell for me regardless of what options are out there they need to take multiple swings at this thing and they, you know even if they don't find the answer here they just need to change their thinking in that until they find their guy that can be the the longtime franchise quarterback they need to be as pro- proactive as they can be in addressing the position whether it be with the backups spot competition for starters um the draft free agency Whatever it takes, they need to be proactive at addressing this position because in today's NFL, if you don't have a quarterback, I mean, you your chances at winning the Super Bowl are extremely thin. This is a quarterback-driven league. It's an offense-driven league. If you don't have a foundation there at those two key aspects, you're not going anywhere as a franchise. So I think in general for this offseason, it's all about getting the offense fixed. It's all about getting the quarterback position. Uh, I don't know about fix, but at least addressing the quarterback position and improving the quarterback position. Um, and we'll see what happens. Like we said before, with the direction of Brian Pace and, and Matt Nagy running the show here for another season, it's likely that they're going to be very aggressive to get these things uh, to improve on these things. So it'll just be a matter of whether they make their correct moves and right decisions on getting this fix for 2021 and beyond. Uh, all right, so I think we've talked quite a bit here on, on, on the Bears here for what the direction will be in this 2021 offseason. I think this is a good time to conclude this episode of the Picks for Pace podcast. Uh, you know, I want to thank all of our listeners for tuning in on all platforms. Uh, make sure to follow us on Twitter at Picks for Pace. Uh, you say we're going to find you on Twitter and find your work. Yeah, guys, you can follow me on Twitter at Usaid Koshal. You can read my work on the Bear Report as well. Lots of offseason coverage coming up starting this coming week. Yep, and, and you can follow me at AJ Freeman 25 uh, especially, um, you know, I announced this uh, last night on my Twitter, but I will be making the trip down to Mobile, Alabama uh, in about a week and a half here to cover the Senior Bowl. So if you're looking forward to Senior Bowl coverage, I'm going to be down there covering the practices. Uh, I won't be there for the game, but I will be down there for the practices during the week uh, on January 26th through January 28th. So if you're looking for senior bowl coverage, I highly recommend, you know, obviously giving me a follow, but uh, keep in tune for all my work coming up for that. It's going to be uh, a very fun week. Looking forward to that uh, when we get to Mobile, Alabama in the next week and a half or so. Uh, so a lot, to, a lot to look forward to there. Uh, all right. It was a fun 20. It was an interesting 2020 season bears fans. Um, keep an eye out for our next episode coming up next week. Uh, bear down and have a fun weekend, everybody.
It's happening daily. We're being conned by the institutions we used to trust. The mainstream media is distracting us with meaningless headlines instead of focusing on the harsh realities facing American families. Time is short before something big happens, and that's why so many folks are preparing. They're becoming self-reliant by investing in emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure four-week emergency food kits for each member of your family. Each kit contains tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Save $50 on each four-week food kit you purchase. Plus, get free shipping on Ready Hour four-week emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour Foods. At My Patriot Supply, you can also get solar power generators, water filtration units, heirloom seeds, and survival gear. Order by 3 p.m. and your unmarked boxes ship the same day. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com